Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Is there any hope for the Miami Heat? Can the Sixers make a run to the finals? Will OKC make it past the Jazz? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live post-game show slash podcast slash mailbag slash whatever you guys want to do for this show. So really excited to be here. Uh, as always, I have Dave Dufour, NBA, with me uh, to talk all about the games tonight, to talk all about the games yesterday, to talk all about the games. Dave, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, we're gonna hopefully not sprain an ankle oh, in garbage please. time. I, you know, I, I literally almost sprained my ankle on the way up my steps to my uh, to my office. So yes, it's uh, it was a weird thing we saw at the very end there, where both Kevin Durant really rolled it, and then so did Sean Livingston on a sort of a cut block by uh, uh, Patty Mills. So uh, you're gonna have to keep your eye on that because that's a, that's an interesting conundrum if Kevin Durant goes down for the Warriors even for a game. Yeah, and ankles suck, man. It takes a while to come back, as as I think we're partially seeing with Damian Lillard in, in the series against New Orleans. He just doesn't seem like he's got that quick first step. He looks a little off. Now, this is not to take anything away from what Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, and uh, Miritich and Rondo have been doing because they've been ridiculous, and I, I think even healthy Dame is going to struggle against the way they've been defending him. But, uh, you know, he, he's obviously, to me at least, obviously not right. Um, you know, he rushed back from the ankle injury because they, they needed a couple wins to, to try to get the three seed, and they wound up only getting one. You know, they brought him back against the Spurs. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's tough. Anyway. Yeah, and thanks for reminding everybody that Damian Lillard was injured. I think I kind of, in the tumultuousness of the end of the of the season, forgot about that with all the other stuff that was going on with the seedings. So uh, he definitely looks off, and it's kind of hurting them because he can't finish the way he would normally finish, and he's not as explosive as he normally is. And if you take that away... Uh, now you got CJ having to do all the work or a lot of the work, and that's been a struggle for him too, although he's doing okay, but not great. Um, but I don't think anyone could have predicted that this – well, here's the thing. The, I tweeted out earlier where I said that the, um, the Pelicans look like a, they're, they're doing a great impersonation of a top-five defensive team. And somebody responded and told me, guess what? Since March 1st, they are a top-five defensive team. Uh, and it's been overwhelming for the, the Blazers. Yeah, I mean, look, Drew Holiday is is like an all defensive team guy. AD we know is an all defensive team guy. The the crazy part to me is playoff Rondo. I mean, it's real, right? Yeah. At this point, it's real. And then Miritich, um, not just on the offensive end. Miritich has been doing a really good job on the defensive glass. Uh, he's not getting killed on switches. It, it, it's it's been really really good. I think Alvin Gentry deserves a lot of credit. The scheme is accentuating the strengths and avoiding the weaknesses of the guys he's got out there. And then again, it helps man like AD is there and that's a huge deterrent from guys finishing at the rim. 
For sure, for sure. But like tonight was just one of those things where the basketball gods decided to shine upon them. It was violent in that second quarter when they came. And they, they came out in the beginning too, but like what I was watching the second quarter was just, just the, the swishes were violent. You know what I mean? It was like the, the, that, the sound of the ball going through the net like that was loud. Um, I don't even know if anybody could have stopped them tonight, the way they were moving the ball. And when they do those pin downs with AD, the threat of the lob, I mean, they must, I don't know how many lobs they got. They must have gotten four or five. Um, and, and they don't need to throw it anywhere near the rim. <laughs> like he had a oh reverse that was like the, not a well-thrown ball. And yet he's just going to throw it down anyway. So that's, there's the no issue. way to guard it. There's no way to guard it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had one where like, I don't even know if Rondo got past half court and, uh, they had a guarding AD and literally he just sort of spun from the mid post area and they just threw it up and like, and you could see Amina was just like, I don't even, he wasn't even ready for the play to start and it was over. It was, and it was violently over. So they're in trouble. Obviously, I don't think they're going to come back from a three Oh deficit and it's going to be, you know, in new Orleans again for game four. So I, I guess we're talking sweep here. Feels like a sweep uh, tonight. You know, the last, uh, like the end of the third actually felt like the end of the fourth in the deciding game where they would have been swept. I mean, that's how bad the body language was there. And they still had a quarter left, you know, of basketball. Um, it was really, really bad. I think Portland's got a long summer ahead of them. And unfortunately, I think that we're going to see some things sort of shaken up. Uh, you know, if you believe the reports that came out in December, Terry Stocks was almost on his way out of town uh, until they went on that little run. And, and you know, I'm, I don't want to predict this. Like, you know how much I hate coaches getting fired, especially good coaches. Terry Stotts did a fantastic job of coaching this roster, this flawed roster, uh, and getting them to the three seed. Um, but, you know, we may see some shakeups. Um, and, and I definitely think they're going to be – we're going to be hearing their name a lot in trade talk. I don't know if they'll actually make any trades, but we're going to be hearing them a lot. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's time uh, at this point to try and do something a little bit more major. Now, I guess when you say that, you're talking about either Dame or CJ getting traded uh, and, and seeing what they can get back or bring back. I, I guess the, the experiment of having the two dynamic guards like that, you know, with everyone else they have doesn't really work. And I think that the downfall originally where they had the positive build, building was when they got Evan Turner. I really felt like that was a difference that changed things in a way that didn't really help what they were doing. I really liked what they had with Alan Crabb coming off the bench and they had good ball movement. And Evan Turner, you know, every once in a while does help with that, but other times he just dominates and just doesn't quite fit. I don't like Aminu that much. I mean, I know he's a he's a good defender for the most part. And I know he can, like, set, set shot that three-pointer in, you know, at a pretty good rate this year, but uh, he's really got no other skills. And at that position, I just don't think you can get by with, uh, with that. I think you need more. So those two guys kind of, you know, are my list of guys who are most frustrating to play with or to watch when they play. So you have to imagine maybe they package uh, one of those guys with, you know, a Dame or a CJ and then see what they get back in return. Yeah, I, I mean, CJ is the guy most likely to be moved if they're going to make a big move. Yeah. I mean, it's just... I think Dame is just so important for the culture of the team and, you know, the franchise kind of identifies with him as a, you know, as maybe even potentially like one of the best Blazers of all time. Right. Um, and so I, I think that that would be a tough pill to swallow for the organization. Uh, also, Dame's a better player than CJ. And, and so that's, you know, that's one thing. I don't know what CJ gets you back. That's the, that's the issue right now. Like if you were the Spurs, would you trade, Kawhi for CJ straight up? No, no, absolutely not. But right. but CJ so would be an upgrade. 
would be such an upgrade over Danny Green, you know, uh, that they would they would if they you, can figure out what to get him, they should. Watch your mouth when you talk about Danny Green. <laughs> That's my guy. Come on now. Oh, I, oh. Hey. now listen. listen uh, I, I think I think the the issue is like to get into the conversation, right? I, I think they need to try to get a you know a top 10, 15 guy, right? Paul mm-hmm. George would be perfect. Um, and Paul George is going to be a free agent, but their cap situation is not good, so they needed clear space and potentially move CJ and something else and try to get a better player. I, I just don't know that that guy is out there. And, and it's, it's a weird market this summer anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they've got a decision to make on Nurkic. How much do you pay that guy? I, I just, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. And, and there's a very good chance they, they have another Portland summer where it's like, well, we thought they would do a bunch of stuff and they wound <laughs> up doing right. nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then rely on player development and see how that goes. But we'll see. I, I would be surprised if they don't do something somewhat major with that. Uh, let's go to some questions real quick while we're here because uh, I want to pivot to the Pelicans. We have uh, ZC Coems 8. I don't know how you pronounce that, but the way the Pelicans and Miritich are playing this playoffs, will Boogie come back next season? Now, that's an interesting question because clearly, I don't know about how clear it is, but they certainly have figured something out, right, where they're playing as well as they've played all year long, even with Boogie. Um, remind me, does Boogie have the player option? Uh, no, no, he's a, he's a free agent this summer. So, but they have his bird rights. Okay. So they can go over to cap to sign him and and all indications are they're going to sign him. I'm wondering if he's going to re-sign at a discount because of the Achilles. Um, you know, we, it's tricky, man. Uh, Like the only other big, uh, who was similar that came back from an Achilles injury was Elton Brand and he was noticeably diminished i i, I don't know if i want to give boogie a max it, it stinks because i like boogie a lot but also i think they might be better with the ad meritage combo with ad at the five than they are with boogie and ad and i know that sounds weird but you know chemistry and fit on the basketball courts matters they could be better with meritage and boogie if, if that makes any sense like meritage and his spacing it matters so much and especially since AD can actually space the court a little bit himself. So uh, I, I don't know. Well, and it, so can Boogie, right? It's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, but so I, I think that Boogie's lack of ability to to attack off the catch yeah. is what makes him not as dangerous next to AD. And, and AD is not as good at stretching the floor uh, as Miritich, and neither is Boogie. So, right. it, you know, I don't know. I think it's they've got some funky stuff going on there. And, and the last thing I would want to see – is them try to play all three of those guys at once. I think that would be a disaster. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. The Achilles thing really kind of muddies the waters a bit. It does. It does. And so uh, the question now is, you know, if they don't offer him the max, then he's kind of leveled the playing field for the rest of the teams in the NBA. They could offer him very similar money in theory. And so then he has a decision to make. I would imagine that Boogie would probably like to be around and, you know, and, and sees, you know, this is the team that he could, you know, they can win on. But again, that chemistry thing is very fickle. And we've seen already the proof that like it, it works better. It just works better without him in that lineup. So um, we'll have to find out uh, how that plays out. But I would think that it's definitely more than 50 50 he'll be returning to the to the pelicans does that feel like that to you yeah i'd put it like 80 20 that that's where i'd go i mean okay. you know the, the new cba is kind of set up so that that teams keep their stars more often than not and, sure. and you know uh i think mostly when we're seeing guys leave it's you know they're it's because they have a disgruntled relationship right well 
Uh, it's really great. We're just simulcasting right now on YouTube and Periscope with a ton of people in here, a lot of questions as well. So I want to thank a special shout out right now to Jigalopuff, our man on the, the plan who ha- is moderating uh, the chat room on the YouTube side, which tends to get a little bit rowdy. And so we're lucky we have him there. And he's always there. And no matter what, we never seem to catch him when he's too busy doing other things, which is great. So thank you so much. And uh, maybe I'll try and sort of scroll through here and try and grab a, a, a question in the next couple of minutes from uh, YouTube as well. But um, Dave, let's talk about the first game that was played today. Yeah, uh, Philly, Philly, Miami. Um, <laughs> a buddy of mine called me during that game and he was like, oh, I'm really loving this. This is like an old school Eastern Conference game. And, I, and we were trying <laughs> we were trying to figure out how come East, the Eastern Conference is all about beating each other up and out West. They like to move the ball and play a little flashier, and I just assume it's because of the bad weather in the East. But yeah, I don't know. But um, this I mean, game was—I grew up in Chicago, and I, that's we we wore that as a badge of honor. Uh, we played. I, I, by the way, really quickly, I remember you know growing up in Chicago, playing you know tough ba- uh, high school basketball there, and then when I came out to LA and I started coaching, and I thought, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is the, the really good teams." I was like. These teams get manhandled by the city teams in Chicago. So there's no question there's still that notion out there. But since the game has evolved and changed now, uh, I think what's happening really quickly is that a lot of these East Coast teams are coming out to the West and just getting destroyed. They're just not used to having guards and forwards that can stretch the floor and shoot off the dribble like you see uh, out, out here more than the, I guess, I guess and then you see in the Midwest is what I've been hearing on the AAU circuit. Yeah, it tends to be a little bit more old school back east. Um, But anyway, so this game, I mean, it had a little bit of an old school feel as far as the hatred. But, you know, Philly Philly put up 128 points, and um, that's definitely not old school. Uh, Embiid came back, and uh, he struggled a little bit at first. I I wonder if his vision was was messing with him. But he he finished the game pretty well, wound up being three or four on threes, hit a couple of tough ones. Um, that the last one was just a backbreaker. Yeah, and uh, you know, it to me, what, what he really changed for them was defensively. He, you know, the the Heat won the other night because they were able to score inside with ease, and then with Embiid out there, he, I mean, he was just snuffing out shots, making guys change their shots. You know, all the things that you need to do to actually protect the rim, he was able to do them, and I thought that was the big difference tonight. Yeah, I mean, his his numbers are twenty three points. Four assists, seven rebounds, and three blocks. And he, yeah, he played. Uh, he actually got going at some point, but again, it was sort of a subpar game for him. And he's so good that he can still produce like that and have a really dominant effect on the game. Uh, it was chippy. I, here's my thing. I think that the uh, the Heat let their emotions get the better of them. I think uh, I was still actually surprised they were hitting shots and kind of going toe to toe. But there was a moment there where the crowd was really into it. They were on a run. They were scoring. They were really hurting them, and yet they could not get any separation from the Sixers. In fact, the Sixers just kind of shrugged, didn't get all caught up in the back and forth that much with the uh, trash talking and stuff, and uh, and took the lead like after the biggest run they had of the season, basically. Uh, it's a really bad sign for the Heat. I think this, this is over in five. Yeah, I actually was a little bit surprised they won game two. I, I think that this is just a tough matchup. Um, they don't really have anyone who can sort of take over. I mean, Goran Dragic is kind of the closest guy they've got and, you know, that's not great, especially since Ben Simmons actually did a pretty good job when he was switched on to Drogic. Um, Covington did not, but Simmons did. So, you know, they've kind of – I think they can figure that matchup out. Uh, the the white side stuff is not great and hasn't been great for a while. Um, he only yeah. played 13 minutes a night and then, you know, again was complaining in the locker room. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. They, they've got a long summer ahead of them. Uh, but at least they have Josh Richardson who is – 
phenomenal. And uh, and Justice Winslow actually looked pretty good tonight. Uh, blocked yeah. a couple shots, uh, notably Embiid. He looked good, but then you look at the box score and it's a minus twenty seven. Yeah, but I, I gotta tell you, he was on. He was like possess- Actually, wait, he's only four for eleven. I but guess four I saw for six from three. Okay, I saw all four of those shots within a very <laughs> bunched up in a one. We had one stretch, and it was like, oh my god! It was kind of like in the Hoosiers when the guy uh, was praying, and then the, he says, "I want God wants you out there," and he lights up and starts to <laughs> just destroy everybody. Um, so that's that's really amazing that what happened, and that kind of shows you they had a really big sort of explosion, the heat in like a really concentrated time, and then that was it for the rest of the game. Um, they're just you know not as good as Philly, obviously, and. Again, this is a nice kind of um, redemption for Brett Brown and uh, also for, um, uh, oh my goodness, uh, the coach of the Pelicans. Um, Oh, Alvin Gentry. Alvin Gentry. These two guys who've gone through a lot and been maligned and been questioned and maybe by people uh, on the show uh, in the past. we, We thought Alvin Gentry might lose his job. Yeah. At the end of last year and for him to bounce back like this. I mean, we, we know that he is right now playing the way he has wanted to play since he took over as head coach. So he's finally got the, uh, the buy-in from AD. They finally have the personnel because of Miritich and drew holiday. I mean, has just been amazing. Not to mention healthy. Remember drew holiday has just, I mean, he's had these, the, the weird leg injuries. Then he had the thing with his wife at the start of last season. I mean, so there've been a lot of things kind of conspiring against the Pelicans for making this work. And, yeah, it's nice. I mean, I think this second-round series that we're going to get with Golden State and New Orleans, it's going to be interesting because AD is one of the few guys in the league that seems to really kind of step up his game against Golden State. And I don't mean try to step up his game. I mean legitimately steps up his game. Like, he always has huge games against them. Oh, yeah. um, and if Steph has hobbled, I, I don't know, man. Like, that, it gets interesting. I got to say one thing about uh, Drew Holiday. I, he wasn't ever really on the top of my list of guys I enjoyed watching play. But this guy has done, in my mind, a, a complete 360. He has been everywhere in his defense. I know people are going to yell at me saying, oh, he's been playing that well all year long on a defensive end, whatever. But I had never really seen it for whatever reason. It's suffocating. It is. He's making plays. He's blocking shots. He's doing everything out there. And now you throw it in with playoff Rondo. And all of a sudden, you're like, geez, the way they might match up with uh, Clay and Steph. I mean, the only question there is, is, you know, is Drew a little bit too small for Clay? Are they going to post him up down there maybe a little bit? And that could be a problem. But other than that, um, this will be a really fascinating matchup because then you have, yeah, you have AD and KD going at each other. I, don't even, I can't even picture it in my mind's eye how it's gone in the regular season. Can you think, figure out how that matchup's worked? No. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, it's like I, I, don't, I just can't see it. I don't know. Maybe one of them was hurt or didn't play or whatever, but I got to go back and look in the film now for that. But my mind is mush having done two breakdowns a day. Speaking of which, make sure you check out our, my YouTube channel. I've got – we did two videos a day for the first three days, and then the last couple I've only done one because I just – I don't know, but they're good, <laughs> and uh, you should check them out either way. Um, and uh, over on YouTube, we have an interesting question, and this one is from A40, and he's got the, uh, a cool highlight uh, that catches my eye. So he did something to get this question to bubble up that I saw. So if you guys want to do that, figure out what he did. And the question is, let's just pivot this for a little second uh, from the Pelicans to, uh, who wins the Pacers versus Cleveland series if you set aside preconceived notions about seasons past and how many games? So that's a really good question. I like how he framed it. Wait, what, she what was it? it? Basically, set aside any preconceived notions about, oh, the Cavaliers always will do it, and, they, and you know they're going to beat them, whatever. Who do you think wins that Pacers-Cavaliers series? And how many games? 
I mean, Le- LeBron is still the best player in the series. So, you know, in a in a first round series, my my gut instinct is to take the you know the team with the better player. And and you know, LeBron hasn't lo- hasn't lost in the first round in forever. You know, mm-hmm. uh, until the the Pacers beat him the other day, it was like twenty one straight wins or something like that. Um, so I would have probably gone with the Cavs. Um, but then if you dig a little bit deeper and you look at the numbers and the Cavs defense is so terrible. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good one. Here's the funny thing is the Indiana hasn't scored a ton of points in the series, really. However, uh, there's, I mean, obviously they won game one and they had a huge explosion in the first quarter and they basically, you know, carried the game from there. And that was a defensive issue. Certainly with, with Kevin Love, they were just attacking him. Um, but in this game, I don't know if you see the beginning of the game two. The Cavs Pacers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And LeBron was just Yeah, he scored like the first like 13 points. It was insane. But after the first quarter, the Pacers outscored him by 12 points or 13 points. It wasn't like they they had – and they got it to within three. Like they kind of – if that game was another minute and a half longer, I think the Pacers would have won it. Well, Uh, they had a uh, Oladipo three off the dribble that was wide open that he just clanked. Yeah. That would have tied the game with like – 25 seconds left or something like that. Yeah, maybe even I, less. Yeah. I now am of the opinion, I think the Pacers should win this series. Oh, yeah. I, I just think that they're a better constructed team right now. And then, you know, Kevin Love uh, hurt his thumb. And, we, you know, they're saying he's going to be fine. They're gonna, He's going to tape it up and play through it. But I wonder if that affects him. Uh, you know, it, they can't afford to have anyone have any issues. I, I mean, LeBron had – he was 44 – 12 rebounds or 45, 12 rebounds, five assists, just incredible. It took everything he had to barely beat them. So at home. Yeah. And now they're going over to Indiana, which is going to be a madhouse over there. So, uh, cause they haven't been in the playoffs, right. For, uh, at least a couple of years at this point. Right. Am I crazy? No, they didn't make uh, it last year. For they sure. didn't make it last year. So either way, um, it's going to be a, a madhouse there. I, and again, like, you know, they have, they have bodies to throw out there in Thaddeus Young and, um, uh, you know, uh, oh my goodness, uh, Bogdanovich is also someone who's like been successful uh, in spurts against LeBron yeah. too, or at least making him work. I mean, LeBron to me is looking tired in the first half on these games. He's he is expending that much energy, so uh, I, I just don't feel good about it. And I know the Cleveland Cavalier fans are always going to say, "Oh, they will figure it out. They're going to come back." It's only Indiana, but at some point, it will not be true. And you know, it very well could be this year. I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that the uh, the Pel- I mean, sorry the Pacers they have the home court advantage now. Uh, they have to be favored by maybe a slightly more than fifty fifty. Yeah, I mean, if they if they only win the home games, they win. Um, that's that's a big deal. So yeah, and you know, it's funny because I was talking to James about this the other day. James Hollis, I've never seen LeBron look tired in the first half of a playoff game ever. And he looked tired in the first half of game one. And, you know, I, I don't know how much of this is, is me just reading his body language. He was frustrated. He also looked passive in that game, which we've seen before in playoff games. And I'm not going to read too much in it into that. But, um, you know, the way he came out, if you compare how he started game two to how he played all of game one and the second half of game two, it's there's there's there are issues. Let's just put it that way. There's sure. there's some real stuff going on there. OK, Um I could I could see this being Pacers in six because of how bad the Cavs defense is, but uh, I do I do think that the Pacers are a better team. 
Uh, I agree. I think they're and then they're playing better overall. I mean, the Cavs have had some spurts that that save them in that in game two. Otherwise, they'd be in an O2 hole, and that would probably be you know doomed for them as well. So especially if you lose two games at home to start. So um, let's move on. Should we talk about the Utah and the Oklahoma City series a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Now, um, you know, I had predicted that Utah was going to win their lower seed a little bit. Um, and they got a split. They got what they came for, right? They got the one game in OKC that they needed. Uh, wh- what's your take so far on how the series is going? Well, uh, if Paul George doesn't shoot the lights out in game one, then we have a jazz victory in that in that mm-hmm. game, most likely. I mean, he was 8 of 11 from three. Playoff P is apparently a real thing, even though I don't know. Where are you on people giving themselves a nickname? Are you in or out on that? Oh, you know, I, I'm only vaguely aware. of. Did he do that or did Melo say it to him at the, at the I, podium? I think he did. Anyway, okay. well, playoff, playoff. yeah, no, you can't. The last guy I tried doing that was uh, Sasha Vucevic, Vujicic, right? Well, I don't know. Kobe gave himself one, but Kobe gets a pass on this kind of stuff. Right. Um, so anyway, so uh, if Paul George doesn't have that game, you know, then I, I mean, I, I, I feel OK saying Utah probably winds up winning. Yeah. Um, Donovan Mitchell has been great. I mean, you know, obviously you don't love the shooting percentages, but if you if you watch the game and you watch how it, how it played, he really turned it up at the end of both games, uh, especially game two. I mean, he, they win that game because Donovan Mitchell just goes nuts. Um, I think Utah is just the better constructed team for this sort of series. Uh, Steven Adams has got something going on. I, I don't know if it, his shoulder is hurt or what. Uh, I missed the start of game two because of the weird schedule um, that, that the NBA has decided for TV. Uh, and, and Gobert has been playing real well. Derek Favors might have been the best player in the game uh, yesterday. He was just fantastic, especially on the glass. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Utah – I actually thought Utah would win it in five. I now think it might go six, especially if Paul George is going to continue to play like this. And I, I just don't think they have anyone who can guard Donovan Mitchell – and and keep him from from doing what he's doing. I mean, even when they switched to Paul George, it just didn't work. So, yeah. oh, I know. Well, I did a breakdown. Of course, all the Thunder fans are going to be mad at me because I didn't cover the first game when they won, and I did the second game because I always don't break down Thunder games they lose, and I I planned it that way from October, just so you know. Um, but it was um, you know what we're seeing here is they're freaking high head. They're hedging the pick and rolls bringing the big guy way up too high and they're hitting the short roll and it's killing them. Uh, the, the, you know, pro teams are too good to hedge on pick and rolls. Now you have to drop that guy. So what I even showed in the breakdown was Steven Adams just keeps coming up way high. They, they hit the roll man like favors and, and, uh, and even Gobert, who's now lower, closer to the basket than him. And they're all, they're scrambling all the, all pro offenses want to do right now is force closeouts. And OKC is inviting the closeout every time they run it. Um, it's really frustrating. Now, Patrick Patterson came in and actually dropped and did nicely, but they scored on a couple of those, but at least they were tough shots and they weren't like getting the ball ping-ponged around and getting open like that. It was just like, you know, hitting tough shots, which is all you can ask for. So that's a real problem. And, you know, I know they threw Russ out there on, on uh, well, on a switch. They got um, him on, on Donovan Mitchell. He just cut and like Russ didn't even, didn't even knew where, know where he was. Mitchell just scores over on, over on across from him and scores on Adams. So yeah, it's a problem. And I think that the Jazz are uniquely qualified, not only to beat the OKC Thunder, but you know what? They, they could keep going at this point. I mean, let's see. I'm sorry. They're, they're the fifth seed, right? Oh, so they got to play the Warriors in the second round. I mean, that could be a good series. 
Well, no, they have to play the Warriors or they play oh, the Rockets. Not, I think they play five. the Rockets. I don't even know. I got to see. You know what? My mind is so much right now having spent, uh, you know, every waking minute breaking yeah. this thing in. Wait, um, I got to look. Who's 4-5? This is 4-5. Oh, it is 4-5. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. The Warriors were not number one. Yes. So they have to play the Rockets. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. The Rockets and the Jazz would be, uh, you know, an interesting series. Yeah. I mean, and I still think the Jazz probably wind up or, or the Rockets probably wind up winning. Um, but but the Jazz, I mean, they've been fantastic since Gobert came back. They've been far and away the best defense in the league since like January 19th, I think, was when he came back. Um, he's been incredible. And, and not to mention, I mean, Ricky Rubio is a really good defender, by the yes, way. Yes, he really uh, is. Jay Crowder in this sort of defensive system does a good job. Joe Ingles does a good job. They've got a lot of people that, that do their job and, and they cover their assignments and they communicate and rotate. And Quinn Snyder's a good coach. And so that gives them, you know, just a slight advantage on top of the advantages they have by the way the, uh, the roster is built. And, um, you know, they don't rely on, on these huge spurts offensively. You know, everyone touches the ball. Now, they do sometimes run into these scoring droughts, and that's when a team like Oklahoma City can catch them. And, and so what OKC needs to do, they need to capitalize on the, the offensive droughts that Utah will have a tendency to go through, and they've just got to score, score, score when they can. And, and it's tough because, again, Utah's defense is very good. I'd love to see some more Paul George, Russell Westbrook pick and roll with Paul George as the ball handler. Like, mm-hmm. give me some of that. Um, I, you know, Grant has been great, I think. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I want to see maybe a little bit less mellow. But, <laughs> I, I mean, OKC could, easily, OKC could easily win the next three games in this series, and I would not be shocked because Russell Westbrook is so good, so explosive. He could just go off. And, and have 35 a game for the next few games. But I think that Utah is uniquely built to be able to stop what he does well. Yeah, and I think that Rubio has done a nice job uh, trying uh, stopping him from just uh, dribbling the ball up and backing down into a post-up, which is what he loves to do. And Rubio, sort of surprisingly, kind of has been holding him off on that. And he hasn't been able to get in. Plus, Gobert is around, and that's going to cause him to think twice about trying to do that. What they're also doing, and you mentioned Melo, is that they're trying to just destroy Melo in the pick and roll on the on the defensive end. So They're hunting when, that switch every single time. Yeah, and so what the, the Thunder are doing, which I also showed in the video today, was they're switching that as the, the guy as Mellow's man is going up the ball screen they're like sending whoever's closest to go up there instead so the beauty of what Quinn Snyder is that they said fine as soon as they switch that then whoever Mellow is guarding now goes and sets the ball screen and then the one I caught was he had he switched on to Rubio so Rubio's like fine I'll go screen for Donovan Mitchell they got the switch and they went right to the basket and then they had a foul and give him two free throws crucial free throws in the fourth quarter those are the minutes that I gotta tell you those are the Jeremy Grant minutes those should probably be his minutes because Melo simply will get exposed and they'll never be able to get stops that way. Uh, so I don't know what they're going to do because I think Donovan's politically has to play Melo you know, in the last couple minutes of the game. But man, if it's close like that, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, no, it's 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 not great. Um, and by the way, uh, a lot of respect to Corey Brewer. That guy actually is has probably been the best defender on Donovan Mitchell. Uh, so far in this series and, and I think if I were Donovan I would probably just stick with that matchup I mean it's again it's the best that they've had so far yeah and and I, I, Corey Brewer to me is uh is, a, is overrated as a defender but uh nonetheless should we do a rapid fire uh, over on the Periscope questions and see how we yeah. do let's All do right. it let's do it I'm going to try and just do this as quickly as I can because there's a lot of them in here and it's hard to find the questions from the, just the comments but um 
Let's see here. Let's grab it here. Dougie Fresh. What are the Pelicans doing that the Trailblazers can't stop? What are the Pelicans doing? Uh, yes. The pick and roll with Anthony Davis? Yes. <laughs> okay, that's it. The lobs. It's unstoppable. Yeah. yeah, a lot of lobs. Yeah. Yes. They, get, they, get, they get Nurkic out in space at all, and it's game over. Right. It's, uh, let's see. Southern Boy HTX asks, I'm a Spurs fan, but do you think Kawhi Leonard is leaving, and why isn't he playing? Well, um, Kawhi is still hurt, and this this injury that he has is is an acute injury, and it it it's not something that just uh, goes away overnight. It's not a sprained ankle that heals in six to eight weeks. Right, it takes a while. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, I I I don't think he's leaving. Yeah, and it's, it's a shit show because the doctors have cleared him and they think he's okay, but he's not. He, you know, it's a it's a problem, and who knows if they can re- uh, repair this or not. Uh, let's move on to Adam Carage. One asks, why is KP out for another year? Is that normal for ACL injury? I don't think he's out for another year. He's just going to end up missing the beginning of the year, right? Uh, no, James Dolan came out today and said that they're not sure if he's going to sit oh. all of next season or not. That may be a stealth tanking move, um, uh-huh. you know. But they're going to have to sell a, a new coach on coming in and tanking for the year. Okay, there's your answer. Um, let's see. Stude Baking asks, do you think the Warriors centers can stay on the court versus this Pelicans lineup? Uh, interesting. So uh, we haven't seen much of Zaza. And uh, JaVale, I guess JaVale's the one guy that could probably do it, aside from Draymond being the center, right? Or Jordan KD. Bell. Maybe Jordan Bell. He's not getting any run. It's frustrating. I don't know why he's yeah. not getting more. Uh, and, and Looney might be able to. I mean, Looney's really strong, stout mm-hmm. even. Um, and, and he's smart. He's actually played well when he's been out there. Really well. Yeah. So I, I think maybe we'll see JaVale and Looney. And then David West, who is just a pro and, you know, can, will, will be fine. Yes. I, we have a comment for you, I think specifically. Uh, H. Cantrell 10 that says, How come everyone uh, bets in the Cavs to go to the finals purely because LeBron is awesome? They suck. <laughs> I actually, so, I mean, I, I, I've been saying that I think the Raptors are going to the finals. I've started, I started saying that at Uh-oh. the end of December. And now, honestly, man, like, I think the Sixers could, could go to the finals. Um, I think there's a good chance we're going to get a Sixers Raptors conference finals. Yes. Only, but I, I, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I watched when the Sixers lost the game against Miami uh, I, my, in the fourth quarter. My tweet was, Bellinelli is drunk. Uh, and if he can stop taking some of, the, some of the shots that he was taking, literally you thought he was uh, he's smoking something, uh, then yeah, he's actually, he is good. So is um, Ilya Sova. The, really, the two great moves for them that kind of put them on this path a lot earlier than they probably thought they were going to be. Yeah, you know, I just wish that uh, when Bellinelli was taking these shots, he would yell Kobe. That would, that would be the only thing. That's the only thing we're really missing. They're, they're, I mean, yes. I haven't seen him take a, just a normal jump shot. I don't know. It's been a month. Yes. They're all, yeah, they're all like fading to one side or to the other. So. I know. It's, it's insane. And he makes enough of them where you're like, oh, come on. All right, Gibran. Uh, I can't read that. Gibran, whatever. Who's better, OKC, KD, or Golden State Warriors, KD? Golden State Warriors, KD. I for mean, the sure. ball, the ball movement just unlocks a whole new level for him. Makes it easier for easier for him to score. Yeah, the defense is turned up, and the passing and playmaking is even more on display because of the off-ball movement. You actually get to see that KD can throw dimes. You know, I mean, it's yeah, 
Yeah. Well, he did that a little bit, especially when Russ was sure. out uh, that one year too. So we've seen it, but he's consistently doing that now. Uh, yeah, so he's just been fantastic on both ends. Chris Scary 12 what's going on with Cat? Looked so bad in Houston series playing soft. Well, I guess you didn't watch my video, the uh, disturbing disappearance of Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, they're just 35 mu- shots. They're just muscling him. Wait, 35 yeah. shots, it's a lot. No, it- check this out. 35 shots in two games. That's how many shots combined. Jimmy Butler and Carl oh. Anthony Towns have taken. Oh, you know, I don't think I realize that Jimmy Butler has got low shot count too. Yeah. Um, you know, now, um, which means maybe they both need hymns. For, hey. For, <laughs> so, maybe. Anyhow. I don't know uh, if that's legal though. Uh, yeah, hymns might be just one step too far for your bad shooting or not getting, not getting enough shots. But clearly, uh, Capella and everybody else is just muscling him. Every chance they get, they're putting the body on Carol Anthony Towns and he doesn't, he's not handling it well, doesn't have the lower body strength to hold his position. And uh, quite frankly, they haven't adjusted with the uh, offense to try Try and figure out what else to do. I, I, keep, I showed it in the video where there are times where he, he sets the screen, there's a switch, and he just goes and runs to the weak side corner and stands there. It's really strange. Yeah, um, but uh, Wiggins and Rose are, are jacking up shots. I mean, that's that's a winning strategy if you're if you're Houston. If you want to let those guys shoot, you know who cares who cares what Carl Anthony Towns does. There's only there's only one basketball, as we like to say all the time. Right. Uh, Quinn Better asks, what if OKC hired Messina as head coach this summer? I don't think it matters. I think that with the culture they have with Russ there, uh, you're always going to be sort of stuck in a, in a bind, like, kind of like the LeBron thing where you, you never quite probably have complete control over the team like you'd want. Am, am I crazy? Well, I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit. Uh, any head coach needs authority within the organization and it comes from that's going to come from the top down of course right but you need to be backed up and you need to get buy-in from your players so i mean it's not just that you need to support an organization you need to convince your players especially your stars because this is a star-driven league so donovan or whoever is the coach at okc if if donovan is not there needs to be able to go to westbrook and say look this is how we're going to do things, and I need you to be a part of this because Russell Westbrook's amazing. You know, you and I, we, we kind of drooled over the idea of Westbrook getting traded to Boston because we thought with the sort of organizational stability they had, they could, they could get him to, to accentuate his strengths, which is he's so great off the ball. He's so dangerous as an athlete. He does all of these things so well. Um, they could maybe get him out of some of the things that are, you know, the things that make us smack our forehead and 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 get frustrated and um you know I but I think whoever the next coach is because Donovan won't be there forever mm-hmm. uh, whoever the next guy is needs to that's where I would start in the interview process hey how much how on board is Russell Westbrook going to be with what we're doing and otherwise like I mean if it's your first job you you take your first job no matter what but if you know if you're looking at more experienced coaches maybe that runs people off. Yeah. Well, you know what? I went over to our YouTube thing, and there's a lot of these questions that all had the the, the uh, highlighted b-ball breakdown. That someone figured out how to do it, and they caught my eye. And there's some really good questions here. So let's do the same thing. There are 10 second answers. That was probably a, a one minute answer. Let's go back to 10 seconds and see if we can get through a bunch of these here because uh, they're good. So Iverson drops MJ asks, "Can the Celtics possibly challenge for an NBA Finals appearance? Are people sleeping on them?" The Celtics. You know, interesting. <laughs> It would be crazy um, for them to to lose Hayward five minutes into the season, and then to lose Kyrie Irving right before the playoffs. I, I let's say it's unlikely. 
Yeah. Um, but with their defense, uh, you know, never say never, I guess. Yeah, the two youngins are just playing great, so we'll see. But I, I bet you they get to the semifinals and then the you know tough series and they get knocked out. Catavius uh, Caldwell Goat asks: Pizza rolls or pizza bagels? There's no, there's no question, right? It's pizza bagels. Oh no, pizza rolls all day. Come uh, on. I don't, even, I don't think I even know what a pizza roll is. Uh, how about this? Zerul one twenty one says CJ for Beal. How does that sound for both teams? Interesting. That is interesting. Um, if I'm Washington, I say no. Beal gives them a little bit more defensive uh, ability. So, yes, yeah. I can see why you say that. So they might need a little bit extra in there. But uh, interesting, if they're trying to break the dynamic. If I were Washington, I'd, I'd trade Wall before i trade Beal. Well, yeah, but, you know, Wall's got a huge contract. Yeah. Right? And right. maybe not as much. He's not as good as Beal. I actually have an interesting Bradley Beal potential trade, but um, it involves Kawhi Leonard. Interesting. That, that would be interesting. Okay. Bradley Beal, Kelly Oubre, and a pick for Kawhi Leonard. Who says no? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I wish they could be John Wall, but I hear you. Because uh, I, I like Bradley Beal there. I want him to stay. But okay. I, that, that, that would probably, I mean, uh, yeah, that would be good for both teams, for sure. Uh, although, again, does Kawhi come back and, and, and is he effective as, as he was before? How about this? Scout Jam FM asks, likelihood of a boogie sign-in trade to the Lakers, Celtics, or Wizards for one of their wings since the Pels need a wing and the other needs star power. Interesting. I would, I would think that they would want to try and do that, right? I, I, if I were the Pelicans, I would sign and trade him for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, he would have to agree. That's one thing. I mean, I guess if, right. he's, if he can get more money that way, that's, I mean, that's one way. Right. Um, but if you're one of those teams, do you want to give up someone like Brandon Ingram? for Boogie Cousins and not knowing if he's going to be diminished. And, you know, right. I I think that, yeah, I think it's going to be tough. Yeah. Kenny Pogue asks, what should, should, what should the wizards do now? Uh, We already kind of did. Should they fire Scott Brooks, blow it up and ship out Waller Beal? Okay. We kind of just talked about that, but uh, fire Brooks is uh, Scott Brooks on the uh, cutting on the chopping block here. Unfortunately, probably. And because that's how the league works. Um, but wow. I know that the Wizards, I mean, you know, they pride themselves on stability and, and trying to work through things. And I, I think, you know, you and I, we've both been excited about what Dwayne Casey was allowed to do by sort of revamping him, not only himself and his offense, but also the team in general. And, you know, when Masai came out last year and said they wanted to enact a culture change, we immediately thought the worst. And yet they got to keep this guy in place. He already had buy. Now he had buy-in from his players. Mm-hmm. And that's important. Right. Um, so he was able to stay and kind of help facilitate the culture change. And that's huge. So maybe Washington will look at it the same way, you know, but does he have the buy-in? That's the question. I know. Well, yeah, if they get swept, it's going to be, it could be a, a real serious question. If they, if they can't show anything in this, in this, you know, they haven't really showed much yet, but if they can't show anything and they roll over, then yeah, it, it's a real concern for them. Um, let's see here. Should the Iris and drops NJ asks, will the Nuggets not making the playoffs? So they need to make a major move this summer. Interesting. They didn't have Paul Mills out for a lot of the year. That was that the biggest issue they had. Yeah. I think that was their big move. Um, you know, they, they barely missed the playoffs missing their, you know, who in theory would have been their second best player this year. Mm-hmm. I think they're okay. Mike Malone has done a pretty good job. If you look at the team he took over, he's gotten better by like five games each season. That's impressive. So, uh, you know, I hope they don't let go of him. I think by this point they would have if they were going to. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they definitely have some roster moves to make. Um, 
but their cap situation is not great. They got to re-sign. You know, Gary Harris's uh, extension kicks in this summer. They got to re-sign uh, Jokic. They've still got uh, Millsap on the books for thirty million next year. Uh, Wilson Chandler is probably going to opt into eighteen million. Mm-hmm. It's it's not is you know it's easier said than done. Right. I think we're going to wrap up on our YouTube side. I know a lot of the same people were asking questions. I want to try and get to at least everybody here. So uh, Jalen Diallo Diallo asks, is Nate McMillan overrated? Who could we replace him with that would bring a more organized offense? I got to tell you, I, I have no problem with what he's doing. I think that they're, they're actually, you know, it looks like they might have a chance to overachieve and beat Cleveland. Uh, that certainly solidifies Nate McMillan for a long time in Indiana, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been okay. I, I get what he's saying. I, I think that the propensity to sort of accept the mid-range shot um, is, is, I believe at least, what he's saying. That's been a that's been a bit of a critique this season of Indiana. They've hit it at an unsustainable rate this year. Um, but if you look at what the Spurs did when they started sort of zagging while everyone else was zigging toward the three, and and they started accepting mid-range, I think that's the next iteration of the analytics on offense because right now the mid range is surrendered, you know, that you protect the rim, you run guys off the three point line. And, you know, if you're going to give up a shot, you, you ideally, you want to give up that mid range shot. Um, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see offenses that start taking advantage of that space. And now whether it's taking advantage of that space to actually shoot mid range shots or to take advantage of that space to create other things from Mm -hmm. the mid range, I think you are going to see that happen. So I think I think McMillan's going to be fine. I mean, what they need is they need another wing that can shoot, uh, a guy who can stretch the floor from the uh, from the four spot. Um, you do that, and this team all of a sudden is dangerous because of Oladipo. Right. And by the way, the whole notion of like I, whenever people are trying to bring up why you want to shoot the three versus like the two, it's because, well, if you shoot 40 percent from three, you got to shoot 60 percent from two to match that. Exactly. But no, but the average three point shooting isn't 40 percent. It's less. And so suddenly you don't need to shoot 60 percent. And I got to tell you, there are guys, you know, that that can hit at a high rate uh, if they get a decent look from the mid range. All any of the good shooters from three would certainly shoot well, you know, from 18. I would think, you know, so, their expected value would be high. I think so. The issue is if you shoot, uh, so thirty six percent is the average from three. I yeah. think you got to shoot like fifty something, fifty three percent or something on, on from long two or whatever to make. And like Dirk at his peak is shooting like forty eight percent from really? mid range. Yeah, huh. Aldridge. So you know, I did this when the Spurs signed Aldridge because the idea was he's this mid range killer. It's like forty one, forty two percent or something like that from mid-range interesting i didn't realize it was that low okay well there you go um well listen man this is another fantastic show uh in the books what's that it's been too long since we've interacted absolutely and then then a live show too so uh but as always we pick it up right where we left off uh like a good pick and roll combo (laughs) that's right wait are you are you the role man? I'm the ball handler. Is I, that- I'll be the role man. That's fine. I get the short role and I get to make things happen. There, there you go. There <laughs> so you, go. you can handle the ball a bit more. So anyway, well, Dave, thanks for joining us. And also everybody else out there on Periscope, fantastic questions. YouTube, even greater questions. Uh, Gigolo Puff, thank you for moderating the, uh, the chat for us. And uh, again, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am. <laughs>